as a leader, I'm sure there's been mistakes along the way. What are mistakes that you thought you could have avoided if you would have thought about it more th thoroughly? This is From Paint to Purpose, a podcast by FCP Services, where we believe people drive growth. Exploring topics related to company culture, leadership, and construction industry insights. Now your host, John Barsness. Welcome everybody to this episode of From Paint to Purpose. Today we've got two special guests that will be uh, sharing their experiences with uh, working with FCP Services. They just came on board last year, right before the uh, global pandemic. So I'm interested to hear about their experience joining a new organization just before everything completely changed in the world around us. I will have them introduce themselves, tell us a little bit about themselves, and then I will fire off some questions for them. Yahida, you want to start us off? Of course. My name is Yahida. I am a people specialist and training. Is that what we're going for now? <laughs> um, I kind of do a lot of everything. Um, I was originally born in Mexico, and then I grew up in California. So my primary language was Spanish, and then I learned English along the way. I realized that knowing English was very important, and I did not want to be made fun of. So I took it upon myself to learn English as much as I could so I can be able to speak well and then be able to have both languages. So that's how... Um, my, I guess, growth started where I wanted to be better, better at speaking, better at learning. And along the way, I was able to start off as assistant, assistant, and assistant, and then working my way up. Casey, why don't you introduce yourself, what you do with the organization? Tell us a little bit about yourself. Uh, sure. I'm K uh, Casey. I, um, I'm a junior estimator here. I grew up in a small town, Cannon Falls, Minnesota, a population about 4,000. Um, <clears throat> kind of spent most of my time growing up there um, playing sports, basketball, football, baseball. Um, spent most of my summers kind of up at the family cabin fishing and out on the boat and stuff. And um, through kind of after high school, I went, spent a semester at St. Cloud State and decided that wasn't the best place for me. And so, um, didn't have much of a plan, but went to just south of there to Hutchinson, Minnesota, um, to do uh, non-destructive testing, which is kind of testing welds on uh, pipelines and water tanks and stuff like that. And um, kind of along the way there, decided I didn't really want to do that. So um, I always grew up, my dad and grandpa owned a construction company, and I was always interested in that, just not necessarily the labor side of it. So... Um, kind of started looking around locally around Cannon Falls and found a job as a estimator for a general contractor that um, was in the telecom industry, building cell phone towers and installing all that kind of equipment. Uh, spent four years there and um, they were purchased by a big billion dollar company and there's kind of a culture change and just wasn't a, much of a fan of that and kind of wanted to experience more. So I looked um, for a different job and ended up um, finding um, something that kind of fit what I was looking for in here at FCP and um, looking to grow my career here. So, 
Very good. And so you both started uh, in the beginning of 2020 with uh, with us at FCP Services, both in brand new positions for the organization. First time that we had hired your seats across the organization. So not only did you, did you have a brand new role with a brand new company, it was a matter of a couple of months and uh, the whole world changed in terms of how we went to work, what we did, and not really knowing the future. So what was it like to join an organization in a brand new uh, area uh, and then to experience that through the eyes of COVID-19 and the pandemic? Um, yeah, I guess being hired here, I was hired in February 2020, so I had about a month before um, kind of everything came crashing down, but um, say what, never had much experience working from home, and um, I guess from uh, my side of things, my role kind of changed quite a bit with not too much coming in on the estimating side for uh, me to do at that time. Um, so I kind of spent most of my time on like break fix and kind of the construction segment, and just kind of bounce around wherever I could uh, stay busy and you know, learn as much as I could. Um, but overall, I think it was kind of a good experience working from home and kind of an uncertainty of what I was doing and kind of forced me to learn um, things outside of my estimating role. Heather, how about you? You played a, a integral role of, of trying to maintain the business a little bit from a people operations side. What was that like? Um it was fun at the beginning because it was chaotic, and that's where I learned the most. Um, it definitely um, brought us together in the in our segment. Um, we were able to bounce off ideas off each other, and I don't. Um, after we went into COVID, it was a little tough because we weren't in the same rooms bouncing ideas off with Carol. So um, we would call each other and we would FaceTime, which made it a little easier. But even then, it was still hard, and just figuring things out was like the biggest challenge, but yet that's where I was able to use creativity and, um, you know, just learning and researching and making sure we were treating our people right. So it was, um, it was really good experience. It was like a blessing in disguise, I guess you can say. I know we've been through a lot this last year, but even then we were still able to thrive. So I'm really proud of that. Well, I certainly know that between the both of you asking to do things differently, to work in a brand new organization where you didn't fully understand even what we did and how we operated, to be able to do that remotely was a challenge for everybody. Uh, thankful that you guys both stuck it out and uh, thrived in that by stepping forward in different roles. We ba both uh, took on things that you probably didn't imagine doing uh, when you first were hired, and yet here we are a year later. And uh, as an organization, we actually grew, which was uh, something I think we can all be proud of. Let me switch gears a little bit uh, for both of you, because I'd like to hear from your perspective on being that next generation in the workforce Clearly, I am not uh, in that uh, in that realm. So, I, I recently saw a um, a report from Glassdoor that said eighty nine percent of those in the eighteen to thirty four year old category prefer uh, perks of of working for an organization as opposed to a pay increase. I'm interested to hear your guys's perspective. Is that true of you or uh, is that, are you outside of that 89%? Doesn't mean you don't, aren't interested in money, 
but is it more about the culture that you're working for, the perks of, a, of an organization, including work from home and flexibility, or is it really about uh, trying to find that pay raise? In my case, I moved from California across the country to this job because I had the opportunity to work with a mentor I had worked with before, and then I found another mentor. So it was a win-win. For me, it was about learning as much as I could and just growing my career. Um, I went to school for a bit, and then I stopped, and then I would go again. So I didn't fully finish school the way I wanted to, and um, that just created more Friction, I guess you can say, um, when trying to find a job. But I saw it in a different way where I was like, well, if I can learn through experience, I'm going to be able to do that. And um, when I found out that I was going to have another mentor, I jumped at the opportunity. And um, for me, it's not about money. I mean, money comes um, as I learn and, you know, as my experience grows. Um, it's been I've been offered, you know, different salaries and higher because of my experience. So for me, it's just about the learning, the experience and attaching myself to a mission that I believe in. And um, at FCP, you know, it's people drive growth and growth and drive is huge for me. And then people, you know, you take care of them and they take care of you and it, it just builds a community. I've been in um, businesses where all they wanted was numbers and it was heartbreaking just knowing that they would see people and then like the recruiting companies that would work for it, they would just see people as numbers, which was pretty brutal. And um, it wasn't the right way that I wanted to do business. And so I just um, distanced myself from those type of businesses and looked for businesses that had a mission and actually lived it. How about you, Casey? Uh, yeah, I'd say initially, I guess, when I started my career outside of school, um, after school, I was kind of chasing a paycheck, but um, as I went along, um, I was fortunate enough to my first job to um, be a part of a good culture. And then as that company sold and I kind of saw that culture deteriorate, um, I realized that kind of the culture and working with good people was more important than um, chasing the money, I guess. But um, so I, I would agree with that study for the most part on um, seeking out but you know better culture and perks but um, yeah well certainly money is is always important and it should drive decision making but not uh, it's good to hear that uh, there is a generation coming up that does uh, care more uh, or at least uh, equal to just chasing a paycheck Staying on that same vein, uh, another poll that I, I saw said 70% of millennials value fairness and transparency uh, at where they work compared to recognition. Is that true for you guys? Or how do you uh, evaluate both of those components of fairness and transparency along with being recognized for your contributions? I think fairness, um, it's a given. It's kind of like a saying please and thank you. So um, transparency is just being open. And for me, they're v they are very important because if you don't have transparency, um, you can't trust your leaders. Um, if they're keeping things from you until the, you know, like the, the company is not doing good and you can do better and um, that doesn't trickle down to your employees, then you don't, you can't fix it. And once you get to that point, then you really, you know, either you get laid off or the company goes down. And um, 
you know, and just being transparent, you can try to help. I like helping as much as I can. So if there's something that I think I can help with, I will. So, um, yeah, those are really important for me. How does, how does recognition fit into that? If you're, if you're wanting to be helpful and you want to be a part of solutions, which, which is what it sounds like, where does recognition fall in for you in trying to um, balance that out? I think recognition comes after you've been able to help. And it's like, hey, you did a really good job in this project. It helped us build a recognition program or, um, you know, help us with our turnover. Um, that is where I see the recognition because it's not um, anecdotal. It's actual facts. So one more question around this same uh, area. Uh, why do millennials hate answering their phone? Well, for me, I like just quick fact an fact answers. And if you have a conversation and let's say it's somebody you rarely know, there's these awkward silences and I just don't really like awkward silences. So just texting is easier. You get to the point, you get what you need across. And if you do need to go back and be like, what did I ask? You can go back. You can't really have that in a conversation. And um, I mean, given sometimes you do need to make a phone call, um, it's just quicker as a text message and you can continue doing on whatever you got to do and just come back to the text message answer and then just go do whatever you got to do. <laughs> well, I appreciate that insight because now at least I know why people are not returning my phone calls. <laughs> on a more serious note, we do at FCP try to live out our core values and our culture. And we've been, we've been building towards this for a long period of time. How much of what you learned about our culture in the midst of a pandemic uh, resonated with you in terms of how we tried to live out our, our core values in the midst of, of difficulties and having to make some tough decisions at times? Um, yeah, I, I was, I'd say just the, the people in general are, are always willing to help. Um, coming from a, a small town, moving to a bigger city, I wasn't sure kind of how I, I would fit in or, you know, I wasn't sure of that, that culture, I guess, but, um, just the people willing to help. And, um, always, I'm always looking to improve and learn and, um, I'm definitely supported, um, to do that here. So, um, that was what I've recognized so far. Um, people's huge here. Um, there's always someone willing to help you. And I'm really grateful for that because, you know, in other positions, I, you didn't have help. It was just everyone scratches their backs. And it was um, here. It's completely different. And so I'm really grateful for the department I work in because, um, you know, if I've been sick or another person's been sick, we've been able to step in. And that's really important for me. And um, I've been able to have that, I guess you can say, luxury of being able to have someone there for you and support you and stuff. And that's just really important because... Um, I just, people, <laughs> people are just, um, they're what makes the world a better place, you know, good and bad. Um, just the drive and like the opportunity to grow here is just amazing. Not even like, it's not even in like titles. It's more of a, your mind, <laughs> like you just grow. And, um, because there's so many things happening all around us, all the time you just you you have an opportunity to learn and that's what i value the most 
Is that your nice way of saying that we live in a world of chaos in this organization at times? Yes, we do. But you know what? I've learned so much and I am very grateful because I I, I feel like I thrive in chaos. <laughs> so let me ask you guys both this. If you were the CEO of a company, it doesn't necessarily have to be FCP services, although one day it might be. What's one thing you would be make mandatory uh, as an a- expectation for employees? I would give them the opportunity to fail because I've learned that it's okay to fail and you don't see that a lot but um, when you know your boss or your leader is like hey try this out but if it doesn't work we'll, we're going to get our hands dirty and we're going to figure it out and we're going to learn because it gives you a learning opportunity and it gives you support and those are really huge and um, I would go out of my way to make sure, you know, every one of my employees knew that I fully supported them and then I would help them if they would fail. On the flip side of that, what's one thing that you would ban from, uh, from an organization if you were the CEO? I'd say I'd probably ban, uh, just try to avoid drama. Um, <laughs> I'm not a fan of it. It's kind of a value here too, I guess, but, um, just that nothing ever comes from it and it just creates a negative work environment and there's not nothing good comes from it so one more question for both of you if you were to give advice to somebody who's entering the workforce for the first time what's what's one piece of advice you'd want to give them be honest um honest about your experience and honest about yourself if you're totally honest and um you're you tell them like even in the interview process for example, Excel, it's like, hey, I'm like advanced and they expect you to do all these formulas and stuff. Um, there's a certain point where you need help and then you're just going to come off as lying. So just being honest and telling them, um, you know, I'm good at this, but I can be better. How can I um, succeed? And um, if, you know, they're a leader, they'll be able to help you with that and being able to learn and helping you grow. Uh, some of the advice I would give is, I guess, um, things aren't going to go to plan. Um, <laughs> things are going to change and you're going to have to be flexible. Uh, you're going to see your friends you graduated with maybe advance in life faster than you, or you just got to stay patient and stay focused on what you're trying to work towards um, and just know that things might necessarily go exactly how you planned it. But All right, I'll flip the script on you guys. Now that you are here, ask any questions of me that you might have. How do you determine when someone is worth saving in a company when versus when there's no hope of them learning anything anymore? It's a great question. I think it always depends on the person, but ultimately what I look for is do they have the humility to admit that they are struggling? Are they willing to ask for help and are they willing to continue to try and learn? A lot of times what I've found is most people are, are not intentionally coming into work to fail. I don't know that, I don't know too many people wake up in the morning, man, I hope I screw this up today. Uh, I think a lot of it is that we have probably missed in hiring them for a specific role. And we have to be willing as leaders to admit that maybe we made a mistake in putting them in the position we put them in either too soon or just simply the wrong seat. And so if they fit the culture of the organization, I'm always a big believer that we should try our best to move them to a spot that that gives them an opportunity 
to understand where their strengths are, what they enjoy doing, and be willing to to adapt our style from a leadership perspective uh, compared to just saying, well, that's the position and you either can do it or you can't. Uh, I'd say, uh, I guess as like, as a company grows um, bigger and bigger, how do you um, keep kind of everyone focused on those core values of people drive growth? And as more and more new people come in, how does that, I guess, stay together and um, keep those core values the same, I guess? I think you have to hire for them. I was just having a conversation with one of our leaders this morning about this exact piece. We were talking about whether we hire for skill or whether we hire for fit. And it's always been my preference to hire for fit. I don't think you can train on whether people believe what you believe in terms of your core values, uh, want to be a part of an organization that wants to lead that way and have a culture that that embodies your core values. You can always train on skill if you're willing to and if you have people who are willing to learn. Uh, and so as you grow, you have to make sure that you're also maturing leaders who come from within the organization. One of the hardest things to do is hire leaders from the outside who may not understand the culture that you're trying to build. They're going to come in with a set of values themselves. And if they're not honest with themselves, you hide her to your point. Being honest with yourself and recognizing that, am I just chasing a paycheck? Or am I actually wanting to be a part of an organization like ours? You have to know that uh, about yourself, number one. And, and as a leader, you absolutely have to believe those things because if you don't, it's going to show up at some point that you just don't care about the things that we care about. And so that's, I think, the biggest thing that I would teach uh, and and work with leaders on as an organization that's trying to live out their core values. And by the way, our core values are, are a set of principles, but it doesn't mean that we're the that this is the only right way. You can be a part of an organization that cares about making as much money as possible and their growth pattern is different than ours. And if you're if that's what you're interested in and that's what you believe in, there's nothing wrong with that. As long as everybody is transparent about that, uh, I think where the, where organizations fall short is when they espouse certain things, but then every decision they make is the opposite of that. That's when I think you lose the opportunity to build a, a culture that people actually want to be a part of. How do you how do you identify opportunities for a person? I think you have to give them opportunity to experiment. You talked about being willing to let people fail. I think as a leader, you have to let people fail to the extent that it won't hurt the person or the business. And that's always a tricky part is what what's that fine line I don't know that, again, there's a recipe for that other than you just have to actually get to know people. So if you're managing people and you really don't know what makes them tick, what they get excited about, I'm not sure as a leader you can give people opportunities to grow. If all you're doing is giving them something because you don't want to do it or that you believe it is a need for the business, but you're not willing to invest in others that probably have a skill set that can do those things, I actually don't think you're helping people with opportunities. I think you have to present opportunities to people. So if there are things that are going on in the business that you need help with that maybe just came up because it's a new business opportunity or somebody left an organization and there are people in the organization who might want that role, if you're not asking them, how do you know? Just because we put a job posting out there doesn't mean that people in t inside the organization actually know that they can accomplish it. I know for myself there are things that I experienced early in my career that I never would have tried myself had somebody in a leadership role not looked at me and said, I think you can do this. 
And so I'm ever forever grateful uh, for people who gave me an opportunity when, when on paper it probably didn't look like that was the smartest thing that they could have done. Uh, I'm just glad that I was able to learn and grow and, and have those opportunities. So I think it really does come down to that. And then I would suggest for people who are interested in growth, you got to ask your manager constantly, what else? What else can I be a part of? Can I try that? Because part of what you you learn from an early part of your career is what you don't like. You don't always know what you like until you start doing it. And then you go, man, I really am good at that and I like it. And so that creates a whole other career space for yourself. But you have to be willing to take that risk yourself. And then as a leader, you got to be willing to give people the opportunity uh, to take things and run with it. I'll use an example in our organization last year. And Casey, you were a big part of this. So we're in the midst of a pandemic. We lose $10 million in contracts pretty much overnight. And so from a sales perspective, we went out and tried to find ways to, to generate more revenue and keep people working. So what did we find? We found in the midst of a pandemic, a need in the retail space, which was building sneeze guards and putting them up in these retail establishments. We didn't have anybody that knew what that looked like. We didn't know how to get the, the distribution market to work it to work. We didn't have subs to go do the actual work. Uh, and so we tapped uh, a person who had been with us for about a month on the shoulder and said, hey, we'd like you to go help figure out how to do this. Uh, and you had to execute on that, uh, Casey. And we had another project manager who had been only with us for two years was in a completely different segment. And we said, hey, we need you to help with this as well. And so all of a sudden we we get an, a multi-million dollar opportunity that quite frankly, saved a lot of jobs in the organization while we built up enough momentum in the areas that we were good at. Uh, and I don't think a lot of people understand that and, and recognize that. But there again, we tapped you on the shoulder and you went, yeah, I'll try it. I have no idea what I'm doing, but I'll figure it out. And you did. And and I think, again, between the culture of people who are willing to help uh, combined with people who are willing to take that risk themselves, uh, especially as somebody who had been with the company for less than 60 days and we're asking you to take on something that is brand new. I, I think it, it, it embodies who we are as an organization. As a leader, I'm sure there's been mistakes along the way. What are mistakes that you thought you could have avoided if you would have thought about it more th thoroughly? I actually think the biggest mistakes I've made is when I overthink things. Uh, or I don't make a decision fast enough. Uh, I've not met any other leader, and I know this for myself, I've never kicked myself for not terminating people or clients faster. Uh, oftentimes, I'll know whether I made a mistake, and if I'm not willing to own the mistake immediately and I let it linger, it just makes it worse. All I do is dig a deeper hole for myself and for the organization that I'm leading. So there are countless opportunities probably in a day that I can look back at and go, man, I wish I would have made a decision sooner uh, or made a different decision. I don't necessarily regret the decisions that, that I made that went wrong as much as I do not making a decision in and of itself. It doesn't mean that I wasn't wrong when I made a mistake uh, or a decision that turned out poorly. I, I hope anyway that I make the best decision I can with the, the amount of information that I have at the time. 
I think one of the mistakes that I made early in my career when I was leading, because I'm analytical, because I'm objective, I want as much data as I possibly can get. But at some point, you have to make a decision. It's that 80-20 rule. If I have 80% of the information I need, I better be able to make a decision uh, because I'm not going to ever get all of the information. And the more I keep digging for information, the more paralysis you get from a leadership perspective on making decisions. So my biggest mistakes are usually around hanging on to people that I knew were not the right fit. Uh, and, and I kept hanging on to them or, uh, that I just continued to ask for more data. And by the time I made a decision, either a competitor already beat me to the spot because I was too busy trying to get it right and perfect as opposed to just making the right decision at that time. What are three tips that you would give, as, um, to budding leaders? <laughs> I would say, number one, find as many mentors as you can, because not everybody is going to have the same perspective on leadership. Um, and you can learn from people, even if you don't necessarily think they are great leaders. Sometimes you can learn from what you don't like about it. I had one leader that was very difficult to work for. He was not just demanding of excellence. His The challenge wasn't that he had high expectations. The challenge was working for somebody who was so sporadic and you never knew exactly what aim you were, what target you were aiming for. He always moved it on you. And so you never felt like you were successful. Um, but I learned a lot about that because I, I try to be as clear as I can be uh, about what the outcomes I'm looking for from people that work for me uh, so that they can find success. I think the second thing would be take every opportunity that somebody gives you to lead, whether you're a leader or not. The title doesn't matter. Whether you have people reporting to you doesn't make you a leader. Uh, again, to your point earlier about the difference between a leader and a boss, a boss is somebody who has a bunch of people reporting to them and they don't really want to report to that person. They just don't have a choice because the org chart tells them that they do. A leader, however, is somebody who can can lead from any position in the organization. And so whether you have people reporting to you, whether you are the only person doing that role, you can play a leadership role. So, so take opportunities to lead. And then three, keep humility always in the front uh, of your mind, because if you're not humble, you're going to struggle because we all face plant at some point. And if you don't, I would argue you're probably not trying hard enough and you're not experimenting enough. Uh, you can always play it safe. Everybody can. Risk comes uh, with opportunity. And the only way that you can uh, capitalize on opportunity is to take some calculated risks. Uh, earlier, you are talking about kind of managers um, giving opportunities for people to learn new things. Um, I guess when you were earlier in your career, did you seek those opportunities out or did you have a kind of a manager that would just kind of try and push you along to grow? Um, I guess something I've always kind of been cautious, I guess, to kind of stick my neck out. I've always kind of let people <laughs> kind of come to me and see, you know, hey, do you want to do this? Or um, I guess I, I wasn't sure if I should, you know, try and seek those out myself more often or um, just kind of gain more trust from leaders around the company, I guess. But It's a great question. I would say that early in my career, I probably – I, I know that I, I would strive for um, a title. And so I know early in my career when I was an individual contributor, I looked at the people around me who I thought were successful and they always had a title behind their name that said they were important. And so I strove for those, those titles. And 
more times than not, I probably reached that. What I realized was that it really wasn't what I wanted and what I thought thought was success wasn't. It wasn't until somebody actually told me I sucked as a leader that it gave me an opportunity to, to, but then gave me an opportunity to learn and to grow. And he didn't give up on me, even though he probably should have, because I had one of the highest attrition rates in our organization because people didn't want to work for me. Uh, I was a jerk to them and, and they knew it and I knew it. I just didn't want to admit it. I always blame them. Um, and so it was really that, so it came, it became both and for me in that regard, Casey, is that when I strove for opportunities, I wasn't honest about what I really wanted. And so I was chasing the title. I was chasing more money. I wanted to be seen as a leader instead of actually being one. And once I realized it was about being a leader, as opposed to having a title that said I was, um, that's when things changed. And that's when opportunities presented themselves. Uh, you always have to produce. At the end of the day, I always tell people, if you produce, whatever role that is, the right people will see you. And hopefully they're in the organization that you're in. And if they're not, then you should look elsewhere. Because if you have a desire to grow and your organization isn't letting you grow, you're not in the right organization. But I, so you always have to produce. And, and uh, if you can produce and you can be a great team player with that humility, you're going to find leadership opportunities or more opportunities to, uh, to expand yourself. The other thing about leadership is that it's messy and it's a lot of work and there are, are a, there's a lot of expectation on you. If you actually don't want to be a decision maker, if you don't want to take the, the responsibility on for your team's success, and if you're not willing to make really difficult decisions and don't actually like managing people, don't strive for a leadership position. Just strive to be an expert in what you do as a leader and have more influence in the organization. Um, I've seen more leaders struggle because they actually don't like managing people. It's messy and they don't want to deal with all the headaches of it. And yet they strive for that because that's the only way they know how to grow. And so they think if I'm not managing a, uh, a group of people or I'm not managing a department or I don't have a big business unit that I'm leading, then I'm not actually successful. Most of the time, if you really don't want to work with people and see them grow, you're not going to be a very good leader. My greatest joy now is watching other people accelerate and and get opportunities. Uh, one of the, the things that I'm most proud of is in most organizations that I've been a part of, I've replaced myself with people on my team who are willing to grow and then be able to watch them do that job way better than I ever did it um, was was a positive thing. And then I moved on to something else in the organization. Uh, in one organization I was with, I managed three or four different business units, each one with more responsibility until I grew into a corporate role, overseeing a lot more and really was the third person in, in command, if you will, in, the, in this uh, almost billion dollar company. And to me, I never strove for that. Once I stopped striving for something like that, then the opportunities just presented themselves. What made you choose a values-based leadership versus different, a different type of leadership? Well, I stumbled on, yeah, yeah. I st I pro I'd, I'd like to say that I was thoughtful about it. I really wasn't. I stumbled into it, again, basically because I sucked at being a leader the way I was doing it. And, and so I looked at leadership as I tell you what to do, you do it, and you're successful, and then I take credit for it. That's, that's kind of how I learned how to be a leader, which was obviously not the right way to do it. But it was surrounding myself after that point of failing and not knowing why I was failing to have a mentor come alongside me. And then I really just 
observed. I observed leaders from that point on, and I still do today, and gravitated towards, well, that's why they're successful, because they believe firmly in what they're doing. And and so that's how I, I came about uh, becoming a values-based leader and believe wholeheartedly in it now. I, I'm a, I believe that organizations that don't actually have that culture are going to find themselves always kind of on an up and down trajectory based on what the economic conditions and market does to their business, as opposed to those who are going to be firmly rooted in what they believe. And again, it's not, while I have a certain set of beliefs that I, I think are important, that's not necessarily the the right thing to believe. It's really about having a, enough people around you who believe the same things and and want to see something bigger than what they can contribute themselves that has created those opportunities. I often tell the story when I'm talking about my leadership journey. It wasn't until I was I was called into my boss's office and told that I sucked, that I was being a jerk, uh, and that I stormed out, was mad, and punched a hole in his wall. Uh, that and I thought my career was done at that point with this organization. I mean, I here's this guy that was uh, a senior leader in this organization, and he called me a jerk, and he was right, and he told me that I was failing, but he wanted to give me an opportunity, and I basically used the tantrum uh, approach and and got mad and punched a hole in his wall on, a, on the way out the door. Uh, if it wasn't for him calling me that that same afternoon and saying, I want you to come in the next day with my assumption that he was going to fire me, uh, but instead handed me a plane ticket and said, I need you to go to this training. And if you want to become a leader, I'll give you that opportunity. I wouldn't be where I, I, I to experience the things that I've experienced in the, in the 20 plus years since that day. Um, and I wouldn't be the leader I am today because of that one person who gave me uh, the the gift of being honest with me, which for me, I strive to do then with people who report to me. Um, if I'm not being honest with them about where their their strength is, but also where they might be lacking, and then being willing to support them, then I'm not actually doing a very good job. I guess something I've noticed about myself as I've come along in my career is I don't don't really like to say no or know how to say no. I just kind of, you know, whatever experience I can get, I just kind of take and um, run with it. But um, I guess going back to, I guess, when you're in your early career, did you kind of feel the same way? Because I know the short time I've been here, I've seen you, you know, head of people operations on Minnesota segment and now on national paint side. Um, that's something I guess I kind of, look up to in a way is just kind of being able to bounce around and handle whatever comes your way and you know, be able to get it done and get it done correctly. And, um, is that something you kind of did early on was just kind of not say no to anything and go with it? Or, um, is there a, did you have a specific goal in mind, I guess? Yeah. Again, I'd like to say I was thoughtful and really had a planned out, uh, idea of what I was doing, but no, the answer is, is I usually said yes to stuff that, interested me. Uh, I've always been a big believer in taking on challenges and things that were, I like to grow things. I like to build things. I like to fix stuff. Uh, and from an organizational standpoint, that's what I've enjoyed the most. And and so I've always kind of gravitated to things that um, aren't necessarily broken to the point that they can't be right. Uh, 
uh, built back up again or that are good and, and you want to take them to great. And I think that's what I've fallen into here is taking things that are good and hoping to, to help build that team to be, to greatness. Um, once you've done that a couple of times, you, it's sort of like an addiction in some ways, uh, that you just sort of enjoy that part of it. But early in my career, yeah, I think, and I would suggest this to people early in their career, take every opportunity that somebody gives you to learn. It goes back to my earlier statement of you don't know often what you enjoy until you try stuff and realize you don't like it. And then you just need to be honest with yourself and say, yeah, I didn't really like that experience, but I still need to do well at it. That goes to that that uh, earlier comment I made as well around producing. You, you still got to be good at what you do. I was actually having a conversation with somebody yesterday and they were talking about setting standards and they were talking about average standards. And I said, I don't want to hear the word average. Like, I, I don't want to be associated with average. I want to be associated with greatness. Doesn't mean that average isn't good, but it's average. Why do we want to strive for average? I want to strive for excellence. And if we happen to be average and that average is better than everybody else, well, that's great. But if you set your bar for average, you're going to get average at your best. If you set your bar for excellence, you're going to find that that you're going to fall into excellence more than anything else. It doesn't mean you don't fail along the way, but you you typically learn about uh, learn from those experiences. So my suggestion would be if somebody has a desire to grow and learn, excel at what you do. Always take on more opportunities when they're presented to you, uh, and then admit when you when you haven't learned uh, the lesson and you you need opportunities to uh, kind of reset. But don't be f- afraid to fail. That's the biggest thing that I would say is because if you're afraid to fail, you're likely not going to take risks, and you're that which means you're not going to take opportunities. Uh, the in my experience since I've been in the organization, it wasn't because uh, I was striving for those seats, if you will. The opportunity was there, and as we've continued to try and build the business, I, I felt I could add value there. The minute I don't think I can add value to a seat, I'm not going to stay in it any longer. One of the other conversations I had with with people yesterday was, I don't want to be playing the three roles that I'm playing today uh, two years from now. I'm hoping that if I build the team around me fast enough, somebody will rise to that occasion, whether it's on my team or outside of my team, but sees what they can they can do and take my role. Uh, I don't want to be in this. If I'm in this role two years from now, I haven't done something right. One last question, I guess, at this point, if you guys have any, otherwise we will wrap it up. How did you say no to a leader when you thought it wasn't the correct thing to do, or you thought you had a better idea? Well, early in my career, I thought I always had the better idea and the, and the leadership was was not right, which is probably what, well, not probably, it was why I, I failed more often than not as a leader because I thought I knew better. I think now when, when I look at an, a situation and I think that there's a better way to do something, I try to get all my facts in, in, in a row. Uh, I also try to make sure I'm asking enough questions to understand in totality what the circumstance is. I think the one is one thing that you can fail at the most, whether you're in a leadership position uh, by title and by influence or just simply by influence, is to make assumptions without having enough data and understanding how all the pieces fit together. Because I can look at something from the outside and say, well, that doesn't make sense to me. There has to be a better way of doing it. And I could go down the path of solving a problem that doesn't exist. And actually what you do is create bigger problems because of it. So for me, being able to say no to a leader, 
that maybe is that I, I report to. I better have my facts in order, number one, but number two, I better be committed to say, to being willing to have that person say, you're wrong, we're going to do it this way. And then I have to make a choice at that point. I either follow that leader and say, okay, well, I've, I voiced my opinion. He or she has decided to go in a different direction and I have to execute to that. Or I have to be willing to walk away because it, it, it I can't do something if I'm not 100% bought into it, or at least understand why we're going down that path. Um, there are some exceptions to that in my world anyway. I won't do anything that I believe goes against my core values. Uh, if somebody asks me to do something that I know is unethical uh, or just plain wrong, regardless of whether it's illegal or not, I just won't participate in it. I have no problem walking away because I'm confident that um I can find something else to do if that's really the case. I want to be able to go home at night, look my family in the eye and know I didn't do something um, that was immoral, illegal, or just plain wrong. It wasn't right. Um, so I guess for me, that's the that's the piece. Don't be afraid to challenge leaders, but have your facts in, a, in order and um, be willing to admit that you didn't know the whole story before you... Uh, race off and and uh, try to solve something that doesn't need to be solved. Well, I appreciate the conversation today, you, both of you, and know that uh, these are not easy um, things to be a part of, uh, especially in the model that we go after, which is kind of off the cuff. But I think we have some of the best conversations because of that. So I appreciate both your answers to my questions and then you guys opening up and uh, hopefully I was able to answer some of your questions. So appreciate what you guys do for our organization. I think you both exemplify our core values, which is why I'm excited to have you both here uh, as part of our organization. And, and from a leadership perspective, uh, I always look for people who want to be a part of, of what we're trying to accomplish. Um, and thank you for the insights that you provided for everybody else as they journey on in early in their career. Thank you thank for having you. us. Thanks for listening. To learn more, visit fcpservices.com. Until next time, remember, people drive growth.